This is Tim Benall of BenallofAmerica.com with another edition of BOA Audio Season 4. Before we dive into this week's program, let me do a little advert of sorts. Next week's program is, of course, the third annual BOA Audio Baseball Special. A number of big-name esoteric stars will be coming back to the program to discuss the world of baseball from a number of different angles. I can tell you that Paul Kimball will be back, Lauren Coleman will be back, and Rich Dolan will be back to defend the championship he won via his picks during the special last year. That's why I'm doing a little shout-out here at the beginning of this week's show. We open up the prediction contest, of course, to all the great members of the official BOA forum, the USofE.com. There you can post your picks and match your wits against the esoteric stars and their predictions for the 2009 baseball season. So, if you're a big baseball fan, if you enjoy the baseball special and you want to participate in what Rich Dolan has already dubbed the Benal League, then you're more than welcome to join up at the official BOA forum, the usofe.com, T-H-E-U-S-O-F-E.com, and go to the MLB 09 prediction contest thread and post your picks. Best of luck to everyone who enters. Stay tuned to next week's BOA Audio Baseball Special to hear the picks of the various esoteric stars on the program. Now that we've taken care of that in-house business, let's talk a little bit about this week's episode. We're going to be taking a journey into the strange world of Kentucky's Anderson County, also known as the Fraser Land, with researcher Philip Spencer. Philip's going to detail some of the strange activity in the area, the many bizarre sightings and events in Anderson County, notably the hotbed of activity around the site known as Panther Rock. We're going to find out about reports of Bigfoot in the area, including Philip's own sighting. We're going to learn about the odd Fraser mud track, which you can check out if you go to the show page where you found this interview. We've got linkage up to the Fraser mud track page, so you can take a look at that. We're going to ponder if there's a paranormal element at work in the area, a la the Skinwalker Ranch. You'll get a chance to hear the Fraser howl. Philip said it to me before the show. We embedded it here in the episode, and you can hear Philip discuss it and tell us about some of the background on the Fraser howl and what he thinks is going on there. We're going to discuss stories of Wolfman and Big Cat sightings, also in the Anderson County region. We're going to get Phillip's take on the kill versus no-kill debate in Bigfoot research. And, of course, tons and tons more. Philip Spencer, quite a character, a great guy. His excitement and interest in the Anderson County area, the Fraser Land region of Kentucky, is, quite frankly, infectious. He's just so much fun to listen to. And once you get him going on one story, he just starts telling you some amazing tales that he's heard firsthand from the witnesses in the area. It's an interview that shines a spotlight on the paranormal hotbed that is 
Anderson County, Kentucky, with a man who was born and raised in the Fraser land, Philip Spencer. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Philip Spencer, well, let me give you a little bit of background on him. Philip Spencer grew up in Anderson County, Kentucky, in the town of Lawrenceburg. Blessed or cursed with an insatiable curiosity for everything, he has been seeking answers to the mysteries of life, death, and the paranormal since childhood. A 30-year veteran investigator, he has amassed hundreds of case files in his research of strange events that have occurred throughout the world. His first book, The Wild Man of Kentucky, Mystery of Panther Rock, entails these sightings and much more, taking the reader on a journey into the heart of the dark and bloody ground, one of the most active paranormal places in the nation, also known as the Fraser Land. His website is www.philipspencer.net, P-H-I-L-I-P-S-P-E-N-C-E-R.net. Check it out. Without any further ado, let's rock and roll. This interview was recorded on February 25th, 2009. Philip Spencer talking about the paranormal happenings of Kentucky's Anderson County on BOA Audio Season 4. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Been All of America Audio. We're going to be delving back into the crypto realm here this week with an amazing researcher. This guy's got charisma in buckets, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him. He's Philip Spencer. He's the author of Wild Man of Kentucky. The Mystery of Panther Rock, that's the book. Then the book was turned into a DVD, also called The Wild Man of Kentucky, The Mystery of Panther Rock. That's from Reality Films. And uh, he's been studying the whole strangeness that's gone on in Kentucky around Panther Rock, Anderson County, Fraser Land. We're going to get into all that stuff. We're going to get into his research into Bigfoot and a whole host of other weird happenings in Kentucky. And I'm really looking forward to talking to him. He is a huge star of this film. He really uh, bursts right out of the screen on you and uh, is just fascinating to watch and listen to. So I'm really looking forward to bringing him here to the Been All of America Audio listening audience. Philip, welcome to uh, BOA Audio. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. It's great to be here. Let's start out, you know, with the standard bio background. You know, who is Philip Spencer? How did you get interested in the Bigfoot? And, you know, how has your career progressed? I know you've been looking at this uh, enigma for 30-plus years, so that's quite a career as a, as a researcher. Yes. Um, I was rather a, a rather quiet, covert researcher, investigator for many years, and I had a, 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 some valid reasons for doing that. Uh, I found out I could acquire and obtain an enormous amount of information as long as I just basically sat on it and shared it quietly. And this area of Kentucky, Tim, uh, this is where I'm from. I live in Hampton, Virginia now, but I'm from Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, in Anderson County. Mm -hmm. And this area that I, I, I call it the Fraser Land. And the reason I call it the Fraser Land is because an elderly woman told a story once that all this area was once owned by a family known as Frasers. And one night they just left. This was maybe in the 1700s. Oh, wow. They had settled this land. And then once, one night they just left. And nobody knew why. Well, I suspect I know why. And as we delve into this tonight, I'm sure the listeners, it won't take them long to start uh, understanding why somebody might leave. Yeah. We have ghosts. We have animal mutilations. We have Bigfoot. 
We have other bizarre creatures. We have this cave, this mysterious cave, sounds, lights. Uh, Tim, there is so much going on in this place and has been for years that it's hard to wrap your mind around what is going on here. Yeah, it's really strange. Now, you grew up in this area, right? Correct. Have you heard these sort of stories all your life growing up? All my life. And as a matter of fact, I had two events myself at the cave. Oh, wow. The cave is, a, is I consider it an unusual cave. It's not a huge cave, but it's not a small cave. But it's just the location seems, for some reason, out of place or something. But we camped there. Many, many times. Myself and three friends were there one night. About three o'clock in the morning, suddenly I was being beaten in the back, screaming, somebody screaming, look, look, look. And I rolled over and looked. Now, we were up above the cave on a ledge. Yeah. And there was this just stunning blue-white light shooting up from down below where the cave was. It was a a, a strange light. And we all were just sitting there in the woods looking. And all of a sudden, it just went off, just like a switch was thrown. Weird. No sounds, nothing. I also witnessed a shadow-like creature, a being, I would say, moving along the tree line uh, near the top part of the cave. When we were there filming, Philip Gardner, uh, he's a friend of mine, works with me. He's a skeptic. Yeah. Uh, that's why we had him there. We want, I want that perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, Philip saw something. He saw this shadow float out and go back in a tree line. I saw this shadow being 20 years earlier. And, Tim, it's it's just such a strange, I refer to it as a beautiful mystery. All these people that are, that are having these events, the, the, the gentleman known as the ex-farmer that you uh, heard on the uh, DVD and I talk about in the book. Yeah. His family, they will not go out uh, unless they're armed. Their, their children do not camp anymore. The 18-plus-inch footprint that we found was on the ex-farmer's property. Other bizarre tracks. You know, you, if you find one case where you have a phenomena, uh, something going on, and it's you can document it, interview people about it, have witnesses, maybe even something like a, a track. Well, that, that's, you know, that happens. But what do you say or think about a place that has all of this going on? Exactly. And it seems to me that it's all occurring around this cave. Once I stepped back and thought about it, I thought all of this, and here we have this cave in the middle of all of this. You know, I can't and won't 
sit here and, and tell anyone that I have an answer for all this. I don't. <laughs> I wish I did. But this story is just fascinating. To sit and you can read the book or watch the DVD and the testimonies. There's a, there's a man by the name of Lynn Hutton that tells his encounter, he and his son's encounter, with Bigfoot. And it is captivating. It is one of the most credible testimonies that I've ever heard, and I've heard of you. When we were there filming, and there was four of us there, and we were standing there, and this man was telling his encounter. His son was eight or nine, and this creature just walked right out in front of him, Tim. Huh. It walked out of the cedars 15, 15 or 20 feet in front of them. Wow. And Yes, and here's something unique. This is the part that always fascinated me. The creature didn't panic. It didn't attack. It didn't scream. It stopped. It looked at them. And it walked backwards into the cedars. Weird. Very weird. Yeah, that's strange. You know, that told me several things. Cognizant thought. Non-aggressive. Simply wanting to get away without any trouble. Yeah. You know, this is a thinking creature. It did not have a primal instinct to kill. Exactly. You know, if a, let's say if a, a tiger had walked out 15 feet in front of this man and his son, I would find it very hard to believe that it didn't attack and kill them. Because that's the primal instinct yeah. of that animal. But this creature, and, and Lynn and his son were terrified. They were absolutely terrified. And I, I, he is one of the most credible witnesses I've ever heard. Yeah. Now, this cave here, Panther Rock, that's the name of the cave, right? Correct. Yes, okay. Panther Rock. And now, how big is this thing? Like, can you go in there and, and explore it fully, or is it, like, so big or so deep or whatever that maybe you can't go all the way in there? Like, how, how thoroughly can you explore the, the inside of the cave? It's not a cave for amateurs. You can get in it, but you you must be experienced. It's very dangerous. There are no big openings, although there are expansive areas uh, in it, but not real big. This 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 land in in this area, it's all limestone, Tim. Yeah. So when it rains over the years, everything changes. The, the water flow will erode limestone, and it'll eventually change paths, make some places bigger, some places will. Uh, you know, the water flow changes. Yeah. So it's in a constant state of flux, but it's a very, it's actually a very dangerous place to go in. Now, professional uh, cavers come in and go through it, but not very many. It's just stunningly beautiful. And I'll tell you something else very unusual. The area at the top is a botanical wonderland. The University of Kentucky, as well as local schools, come there to study the foliage. The the botanical aspects are stunning. 
it's just a wonderland of uh, wildflowers and other plants. And no place else in this area is like that, just at the top of this cave. That's I found that to be interesting. That's strange. We sort of talked about how, you know, the white settlers have talked about this place for so long and, and uh, you know, Fraser Land and everything, but the Native American history of this goes back pretty far too, I presume, right? Oh, absolutely. The, the name Panther Rock, the story that's told about that is that a Native American chief was in this area and had done some things, some bad things. And one night, um, a family lived in a small cabin, not far from the uh, from the top of the cave area, the ledge. Yeah. And they heard screaming and a, and a cat sound. And the next morning, they found the Native American chief there dead. He had been killed by what they said was a large black panther. Oh, wow. And so that's how it became known as Panther Rock. But I guess that's almost a perfect segue into what I'll tell you next. And that's about large cats. The catalyst that really, I mean, I had a lot of information on this place. Yeah. But I was, I know the ex-farmer well and have known him for a long time. And he and I were talking one night on the phone. He said, you know, I've got a, I've got a photograph you need to see. And I said, well, what is it? He said, it's a track that I found in the mud, and you need to look at it. So he sent it to me, and I sat here, and when I saw this track, the instant I saw it, I, I spent a lot of time outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to do a lot of tracking. Uh but the minute I saw it, I thought, what in the world? It, <laughs> this track, now when you look at it, you're you're going to think, if you're familiar with tracks, you're going to think, well, it's, it's maybe a feline or a canine. Yeah, now this is the track that's on the website, right? The, uh, the right, Fraser Mud the track? Fraser, yeah, the Fraser Mud track. Okay. Oh, my goodness, has this been a discussion. Yeah, we'll put a link up so folks can check that out. So uh, right, okay, they, they can sort of look at uh, it while we're talking about it. But go on. That track is over four inches wide. That is an enormous track. <laughs> I mean, yeah, two, two weeks ago, I had a veterinarian pathologist state that it was their opinion that that track was of an African line. Oh, wow. And, and let me tell you this, Tim. I've talked to some of them, some really knowledgeable, some people that are experts in the feline and canine world about this track. And in almost all cases, unlike the veterinary pathologist, the answer has been the same from both groups. The, the feline group says, well, it has to be a canine because it's missing the certain specifics of a feline track. And what do the canine people say? They say it has to be a feline because <laughs> it's missing the certain specifics that make a canine track. And there are s- certain specifics that make a feline or a canine track such as it is. Yeah. I'm, I don't know what this track came from, but let me, I'll tell you this. A week 
after this track was found. Less than a mile away, a man and woman who own a farm were in their house and they heard a crash. Now, I went and interviewed these people. I sit and spoke to them. Down to earth, hardworking people that have owned this farm for at least maybe 50 years. And they heard a crash. They went outside, one of their cows, a 700-pound cow came crashing through their back gate and ran into the yard with its right eye ripped out and its ears torn off to the bone. Wow. And its back ripped. Now, they actually took a picture of this. I can't even tell you. They were so good, they tried every way in the world to find it, but they couldn't. I, I, I wanted that picture so bad. But I, they called a veterinarian, a veterinarian, and the vet saved the cow. But the man told me privately, he said, so, he said, I know my land, I know my animals, and I know what comes and goes on my property. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, he said, that was no dog that did that. Yeah. He said, I don't know what did that, but that was no dog. You know, a 700-pound cow is a, is a, is a fairly good-sized animal. Yeah, yeah. And to have its eye ripped out, its ears torn off, you know, something something was roaming the Fraser land, Tim, and, and it had a taste for blood. Absolutely. Yeah, that's spooky. Now, you know this area better than I would. Is it is it rural enough to support this kind of, uh, you know, habitat for big cats and Bigfoot? And, and oh, others? yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this this land is on the plateaus of the Kentucky River mm-hmm. where you would go up the big cliffs. And then the the land starts running back into uh, to farmland, and there's I mean it's it's really most of it is really rough lands, and it's dense. Oh my goodness, there it's hard to even cut your way through some of it. Been there and done that. So as far as habitat, oh yeah, without without any doubt. Now. Like I said, I heard you on on Coast to Coast there with George Knapp, and and uh, when I when I uh, think of George Knapp, I always think of the Skinwalker Ranch, and, and I'm, I'm kind of when I think about this area here, Anderson County and the Panther Rock stuff, I almost think in a in a Skinwalker Ranch esque way. What, what do you think of that whole idea? Is it is, it, is, well, is there something George paranormal I, going on here uh, outside of maybe just strange creatures? I absolutely believe so. I, I have always been a, a, a well. Not always. Let's say there came a time in my life when I became a proponent of, of multiple dimensions. I think the work of individuals such as Michio Kaku and some others into the theoretical aspects of showing that the aspect of multiple dimensions is a valid theory. I mean, we have, like we said, like I said, all this stuff going on around this cave. Yeah. Could it be that there's a portal? Could there be that there is something, something there that is able to open a dimensional rift? I mean, you know, this sounds far-fetched and so forth. And, and I'll tell you, 
I've had some great uh, arguments with myself about, am I just, am I saying, well, there's a dimensional portal, uh, portal there, and that's how these all these things are coming and going. Well, is that just a convenient answer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that just a, the answer that would fit, and so that's what I'll go with? Well, I'm not saying that's what's going on there. But, you know, like I like I said, it's hard to wrap your mind around this area. Exactly. And yeah. They, I mean, what in the world? These all these people, all these events happening. You know what is going on here? <laughs> and and Tim, it it just keeps happening. It's it's I'm getting information still from this place. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, let's listen to this howl that you sent me. Okay. I guess uh, set it up a little bit here for us. Tell us uh, what it is, and then sure. and then we'll play it. Okay. Um, let me tell you about this howl. I ref- we refer to it as the Fraser howl. And with so much going on on the ex-farmer's land, I left the small digital recorder with him. I left some trail cams and some other things. And I told him, keep this little recorder handy. And if you hear something, turn it on. Now, about 11 or 12 o'clock one night, he was out on his porch of his cabin with his two dogs laying in the in the yard. All of a sudden, this started. Now, he grabbed the recorder, and when you play it for everybody to hear, you're going to hear some popping and clicking, but it's a handheld. It's a little recorder. Mm-hmm. But... Here's a couple of things I want to preface before everyone hears this. This sound was approximately 350 yards away behind his cabin. It was 100 feet down behind the hill. And the the recording you're going to hear, I have turned up. I have taken some pop and hiss out, and that's it. Well, I converted it to an MP3 instead of a wave. Yeah. And I want everybody to pay very close attention to the dogs. Listen very closely to what the dogs do. And once this is over, then I'll I'll address the dogs. But that's one thing to focus on. So if you would, Tim, go ahead and play that. All right, here we go, folks. Take a listen here and pay attention, uh, like Phil said. could hear, this is an extremely strange, haunting, howling moan. 
Yeah. And even though I brought the volume up some, can you imagine what it would have been like to be within 20 feet of that? Oh, boy. Yeah. I can't even. But, but let me tell you about these dogs. If everybody noticed, the dogs did nothing. They whimpered a little and barked a little at the end. But now let me tell you about these dogs. <laughs> these are rough, tough farm dogs. This is their land. You know, this is their place. One of those dogs, when we were there filming, it had to be put up. It couldn't even be left out. Oh, wow. And the ex-farmer told me when he called me, he said, I've never seen these dogs act like that. And I'll tell you what they did. When the howl started, he said they stuck their heads up and they tilted their heads and just looked in that direction. He said it, it, he said it looked to me like they were confused. And these dogs, if anything, does anything around this area, these dogs immediately respond. Yeah. But whatever did this, they didn't know what to do. Yeah, it's a strange sound. There's almost a rhythmicness to it, too. You really can't, like, uh, place it to anything else that I can think of, except maybe like a, like a monkey right. or something, you know. Something yeah, that well, definitely wouldn't be yep. running around there. Right. I have sent this audio file to have someone listen to it that, that has experience in this area. And it was non-conclusive. They weren't certain. I have sat and gone online and brought up every kind of creature that I could think of that might make a sound. The only thing as far as a tonal aspect is I was listening to howler monkeys. And at times, there was a similarity Within the tonal quality, but I, the dogs, these dogs tell me that this was something very strange and unusual, Tim. Yeah. These dogs react instantly to anything, but whatever this was, basically, these dogs didn't know what to do about it. Now, is this the same... Uh, guy who had the do- who lost the dog to the uh, to the big yeah. or is this different guy? Same guy, same place. This was, of course, years ago. He had three big farm dogs, and one night they they got in a vicious fight with this creature. He could barely see the creature. He lives back in the woods, as they say. Yeah, and he could see this creature. He could see it slapping at his dogs. He could hear his dogs screaming. These were Dobermans. And the fight went into the woods. Well, he was exhausted. You know, he was a hard-working guy. Been put in 16 hard hours, and he had to go to bed. And as he sat down, he told me, when he was telling me this, he said, you know, I sat down and I realized that whatever that is, whatever that thing is, it, it didn't make a sound. And the next morning, Tim, he found two of the dogs laying in his yard, still alive, with with big rips in the sides of their heads. Oh, boy. Had to take them to the vet. The third dog, the biggest dog, was never, ever seen again. 
Now, this preacher that was that was in this fight, he said it was well over a hundred pounds, but he said it was strange looking. He said it had a coat, and when he he said in his mind, it was like a a, a sheepdog. It had this grayish, dirty texture to it. But he said he never saw its head, but he could see its its arm, and its front leg or arm, whatever, would come up and then slap and roll his dogs with the with the with the force of the uh, the impact, and the dogs would scream and go back into the fight. Wow! Do you think this was a Bigfoot or something else entirely? I don't think this was a Bigfoot. I don't know what this was, but he, I'll tell you a little. Something here. He said one thing he noticed. His words were, it's gut. He said the gut hung low. He said in a strange way. Now, he's referring to its stomach. Yeah. I had another story that I talk about in the book of two men who were driving down the road about a mile from this place into a really remote area on a little rock road came around the curve, and a creature walked across the road. They said it looked like a large wolf walking on its back legs with its front legs and paws up in the air, and it said its its stomach stuck out real far. Yeah, I remember that in the DVD, yeah. Yeah, and these guys, they were terrified. They ran up like an MG with the top down. (laughs) Yeah, and to come around the curve and see this. Now, I'll tell you this. When they told me about it, I I had to honestly wonder. I don't know as a lot of people know this, but animals with rabies, such as a fox, uh, a coyote, and I I haven't seen a wolf. I have seen a coyote do this. When they have rabies and they're in the really bad stages of it, Yeah. They will get up on their back legs and walk, and it is one of the most bizarre, weirdest things you've ever seen in your life to see this. But, you know, they said that what they saw was over about about or over five feet tall. Wow. And it went down this hillside. It came off of the hillside, crossed the road. Went through some trees and into a field and was gone. Never, they said it never looked at them. And, and when I saw them, the next morning, they were still just, they could barely talk about it. <sighs> so, and from the sighting of this creature, a friend of mine, maybe 500 yards up on a hillside, saw a large black cat. Now, this this individual is an absolutely tremendous witness, experienced outdoorsman, spent his entire life dedicated to working with felines and canines. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have, uh, really, it'd be hard to find a better witness. And he saw this cat. He said it weighed, he said 150 pounds at least. But he said it was strange because he said its legs looked funny. Its tail curved, curled up many times. 
It ran funny, but he also said its stomach protruded to the point where it almost drove the ground. Weird. And he was just, you couldn't ask for a better witness. You know, so here we have these three incidents, three different descriptive uh, examples of a creature, but all three of these people mention protruding stomach area to an extreme. Now, <laughs> I don't know whether that means there's plenty of food, <laughs> but, but, you know, there's some correlation there that honestly I, I don't know what it means, but. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it because like you said, right. you, you don't think it's a Bigfoot and then, you know, then you get to the question and, uh, you know, what are we dealing with here? Lemon, there was once a great American named George Henderson. He met a woodland ape or Sasquatch, and despite its dangerous message of environmentalism, became his friend. But when the time came to do the hard thing and send it back into the forest where it belonged, and birds could perch on its shoulder because it was gentle, George Henderson summoned the strength, and by God, he did it. Did it hurt? You bet it hurt. Like a bastard. But he did it because it was the right thing to do. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Is that Harry and the Hendersons? You've seen it. This is my life, Jack. It's bizarre. Like, you know, what? what is going on? There are some very strange rock structures. Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, the, uh, you now, show one of them are... in the DVD, and it doesn't make any sense at all. It, you know, it has no R- reasoning well, behind it. These structures, we are... Uh, a friend of mine, Tony Gerard. I don't. Uh, do you know Tony, or have you ever heard of Tony? No. He's a, a professor of biology, works with Monster Quest. Good friend of mine. Okay. And Tony came down and looked these over, and he's just like conclusion. We are these are man-made, but there are some real mysteries about these structures. They're they're built on a hillside, on what would be considered useless land. This land is so dense with thorns and three and four inch thorn trees and and vines, and it's on a hillside. Why would somebody? It not only it's fenced in with a rock fence, but they're they're called carns or cairns, cairns. Uh, you can there's a lot of information about them online, but these. These are built with amazing craftsmanship. Some of them are hollow on the inside. And this is all in this area where the, the, the Bigfoot track was found, where the Fraser mud track was found, exactly in the area where the Fraser howl was recorded. The, the lights. Now, how far back do these stone structures date? Are these like fresh things or have they been there forever? Oh, no. These have been there for many, many years. We we stood there in the middle. I wish we had actually filmed the discussion we had. We had Philip Gardner, myself, Tony Gerard, the film crew, and we had a big discussion about these. Now, historically, the settlers 
are supposedly they came into Kentucky in the, I think it's the mid-1700s. And that's when the settlers came in. Now, many of them, Kentucky's full of rock fences mm-hmm. um, everywhere. Uh, and they're works of art. They're historical works of art. But we we had some big discussions because this rock fence, there was trees that had grown through the middle of it that we just could not believe were not hundreds of years old. They were huge, enormous trees. And so we were trying to determine, well, look at these trees. They've grown through the fence. They've knocked the fence down. Yeah. So that means that the fence was there before the tree. It was obvious when you looked at it. Mm-hmm. But here we have a tree that we were thinking at least 300 years old. Wow. And so, you know, and, and why would they build these structures? What, what were they doing? Why would they put these structures? What do they mean? I mean, we've drawn them out in maps and discussed this and no answers. But we can say this. These structures are directly in the area where all this is happening on the ex-farmer's property. I don't know why. I don't. But there's something in these woods. I, I mean, we had when we were there filming. We were we we were up in that field at night. We were in this area at night, moving around. Yeah. Using uh, the uh, cameras uh, with night vision. And, and, you know, and Tim, when you go out on these events and stuff and you're looking to hope, the odds of anything happening are one in a gazillion, I think. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're looking for something. Yeah, exactly. And yet we went out that night and we're still not sure what happened to us. We saw these strange lights that were appearing. We filmed them. We saw lights in the woods that shouldn't have been there, but we experienced all these people kept telling us about the sound of something moving. Well, I talked to hunters. I talked to to the hunters' wives that had been there, mm-hmm. to the ex-farmer, his family, about something moving through the woods in the tree in the trees. In a fluid movement, but you never see it. We had this happen. But Tim, here's what it did. We were like children being led away with candy. It, once I realized what had happened to us, we were wanting to investigate the area that I was just talking about, yeah. the stone structure area, where everything was going on. That was our focus point. Well, we were led away from that area and taken to the east. It couldn't have been any easier. <laughs> I mean, the next thing we knew, we were we were completely away from there. Our entire focus was on the east from where we were, and we should have been focused on the west. <laughs> and we, I mean, we were getting all. We all were just. We felt like we were drained. It was just very, very bizarre. The next day, you know, we, I mean, we, when we left, yeah, we had worked a long day and it was up in the night, but something was going on with us. 
there was something. I, I will say this, what I believe. I believe something didn't want us there. What this was, why, I can't answer that. I, this is how I feel. Yeah. Something led us away. And everybody agreed with this. Something took us away. Didn't want us in that area. Why? Well, I could speculate on that for three or four hours. <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to bring up, as, as we started talking tonight, Tim, remember I told you about the family known as the, 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 with the last name of Fraser? Yeah. That came in and settled all this huge amount of land. Mm-hmm. And then one night, they just left. Yeah. Moved on. Well, like I told you, I think I might know why. <laughs> you know, I think this has been going on a long time. A long, long time. Yeah. And this being, this shadow being that I saw, and very possibly Philip Gardner saw, we had a, d- a discussion about this, and we said, what if? Is this the keeper? Is whatever this is there? Is this the gatekeeper or is this the watcher? You know, this is all speculation. Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to wrap some kind of logic around a totally illogical yeah. Uh, area. Yeah. And all you can end up with is speculation. Absolutely. Yeah, it's bizarre. Now, it must have been kind of a little uh, freaky there in the woods because I, I saw that on the DVD, that part where you guys were hanging around in the woods at night and everything. I, I think I'd be a little freaked out, especially considering uh, we're talking about stuff that may not even be, you know, a physical entity or anything. So it, right. it, 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 it was it was a very bizarre several hours. You know, we're kind of like the eyes closed, tight, and nerves of steel, guys. <laughs> you know, but we don't know what happened to us, but we know something happened. It was, is this metaphysical? Is it supernatural? Is this paranormal? You know, I mean, what in the world is happening here? I don't know. Uh, I wish I did. I wish I could sit there and say, well, I'm going to now systematically explain to you everything that's going on. (laughs) And not me. uh, (laughs) Can't do it. But the the events are told of by very credible people. Yeah. Now, I'm not a big proponent of – you know, bringing in a psychic for that kind of investigation or anything, but have any, you know, psychics or spiritual type people, you know, uh, looked at the area and come to any sort of conclusions that you know of? No, not that I know of. And let me add this. Uh, I know that there's already been some people go into Kentucky and go looking for this area. And, you know, that's, that's, if that's what somebody wants to do, that's their business. But I want to say this. Be very careful. This is private land. I just so happen to know the people. Yeah. And know the area. This is very private land and very private people. This is not, this is the last place on earth to say how they probably won't know I'm back here. I'll sneak in. 
Don't do that, please. Yeah, that's a good way to get shot. Dogs will get you in a heartbeat, and you will get shot, period. Um, Like I say, Tim, it's a beautiful mystery. We were talking a little earlier about how things kind of got started with me. Mm -hmm. But as a young man, I lived in a little town called Alton in Harrison County. And when you grow up in rural Kentucky, you grow up as an outdoorsman. <laughs> you, one of the first things I ever remember having was a Stevens crack shot octagon barrel little twenty two rifle. <laughs> but that's you 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 lived off the land because you had to. Yeah. If, if you wanted something to eat, you best go get it. And one day I walked back into a field on the back of our farm, and I found a single track in the middle of a plowed, smoothed-out field. A large track was a a light foot, and it only had three toes. One track, middle of the field, nothing anywhere else. Wow. Yes. And years that that was kind of a a catalyst for me. Mm -hmm. I never forgot. There was a bunch of other things, too. Uh, You know, maybe some night, if you want to talk ghosts, we we can do that, too. Uh, But that kind of, I never forgot that. And then I actually had my own sighting of Bigfoot in Anderson County. No questions about what I saw. I saw the creature, period. And I know that this creature exists. Yeah. I saw it. I had a sharp eye at that time. You know, I, I, I lived in, I stayed in the outdoors. That was my world. And I saw it. So I know it exists, but what, why, when, where, you know, why no, no evidence, why no body, bones, all that? <laughs> That's another one of those I wish I knew because I've sure spent a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah, it sounds like it, I'm sure. Now, do they, I imagine the people in the area are sort of, you know, like salt of the earth. You know, down to earth people. What what's the attitude of the people in Anderson County towards this? I guess you'd say reputation or the stories of all the strange happenings. What was this well, one of those things where they don't like to talk about it, but then you get a couple beers in them, and next thing you know, you got, you got some great stories. Well, actually, the people in Anderson County in in Lawrenceburg are just some of the best people in the world. They'll do anything for you. That's how they are. Mm-hmm. But they're also private people. They don't, you know, sit around and gossip, all that, about each other. They help each other, especially the farm area like this. Yeah. There were people in this area that I spoke with. Tim, they live within a 1,000 yards of the cave. They've lived there for over 30 years. They didn't even know the cave was there. Oh, wow. When, like, the man's cow was attacked. Now, he talked to the others in the area. They needed to know that, that something was out there. But, you know, as far as the ghost or things like that, it's not something people would run around to the neighbors and talk about. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I know these people. I'm, that's my home. That's where I'm from. I live, like I said, I, I live in Hampton, Virginia now. And basically got my feet in the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, <laughs> nice. But um, they're just really good down-to-earth people and extremely credible witnesses. The ex-farmer, a retired professional, 
last thing in the world he wanted to happen was all this. Yeah. But here's a little quick story. When the ex-farmer found this land, this is the land he wanted. It was rough. (laughs) He never planned to farm it. He wanted to live there and raise his family there and just enjoy the land like it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I really admire that myself. He, when he bought the land, he, he had been overseas and came back. He went out and camped on it, Tim. You know, young man, hey, this is mine. Yeah, I'm going to build me a home, and I'm going to raise my family here. So he went out, and he camped. He was there camping, and he heard something. Now, the ex-farmer is a man that, that uh, he always has a, a weapon yeah. when he's out on the land. And uh, he heard something, and it broke a big limb. And he could hear it moving through the, through the woods. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he stopped. He eased his gun out. He just sat there by his campfire. And he knew a couple of things. He's a very smart outdoorsman. He said he knew that whatever that was, there was something strange about it. Because when it broke that limb, there was a, there was a weight to the sound of the impact. Yeah. He knew that that was something big and he just felt strange. And he heard it move through the brush on down into the creek. And he got up, packed his stuff up, put his bar out, and he left. And he told me, you know, he said, at that time, I stopped and thought, you know, what was that? But he said, I never, ever had any idea what would happen uh, as the years went by. <laughs> but now, you know, and we've, we've touched on a lot here tonight, Tim. But we've just scratched the surface of the stories. You know, in the book, I really got into detail. On the DVD, you get to actually hear the testimony, see the people talking about it, get some historical information. But the UFOs, the ghosts, you know, these events are also part of this. And... Like I say, I'll tell you, uh, I've got some major projects in the works, but it's getting to the point where it's going to be very hard for me not to revisit the Fraser Land. Yeah. And uh, in the DVD, there are some pretty compelling stories of people uh, shooting at this, at the, at the Bigfoot they see uh, in the Anderson County area and, and from close range, too, and, and not doing any damage. And, and this kind of segues from what you were saying about the ex-farmer always carrying a weapon. I guess just talk a little bit about that, because I thought that was interesting, because there's this big debate, you know, in Bigfoot research about whether okay. you should kill it or not kill it. And it sounds like, the, you know, that may not even, that might be a moot point if uh, if these stories are to be believed of people shooting, you know, Bigfoots at, at point range, and then they, they just turn around and walk away. We might be dealing with something here that, that uh, shooting isn't even an option. Right. There's several stories you can find about instances. There's the famous Art Bell bug story, as well as some others, about someone shooting the creature. There's also stories about people shooting the creature 
to no avail. I personally, I hope, I certainly hope that's not what it takes to to bring forth evidence for the validity of this creature's existence. I hope that's not. But on the honest side of it, I don't think until, unfortunately, we have old Sasquatch loaded up in the bucket of a big front loader with the whole world to see that that's what it's going to take, I'm afraid. If it were, I would love to have the creature get every sample, video, pictures, every sample we could get, but just put him back or her back. Yeah. But I will say this. Well, I hate to do stuff like this, but I'm going to say this. As far as the creature and why, how does it get away so quick? You know, you've heard people talk about something as crazy and bizarre as could this creature be invisible? Could it have some kind of special abilities? And I'll be honest with you, for a long time I thought that was just crazy. Yeah. You know, I thought it was. I've seen the creature. It was a flesh and blood creature. I mean, I saw it. Um, no, I wasn't there to examine it or get a blood sample, but I watched it move. It was a tremendous sight. But I, I will say this. I'm like others that do this. I have a lot of information I can't talk about. And I'll just say this, Tim. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people get mad when somebody says that. <laughs> but I hope everybody will understand something. There are very, very valid reasons why people want to remain anonymous, why they don't want evidence spoken about. There are very valid reasons. And I know people get mad and upset and say, show the evidence, show it. But all I can say is this. There are valid reasons. I've run into this many times. You know, I have in my possession something that I want to show the world. I want them to look at this, and I want to hear opinions. I can't do it. I do not have permission, and I said I wouldn't. That was the only way I could see it. Yeah. If I turned around and said, Tim, I'm sending you something. I want you to put it on your website for the world to see. My goodness. Well, first of all, I would have somebody just despise me for lying to them. And secondly, I have gotten so much information by just keeping it to myself. I didn't like it. I didn't want to. But I got the information. You know, and as time goes on, Hopefully, there'll be ways to more and more to let it come out. And I know there's others just like me. They're in the same situation. But there are valid reasons why individuals say this, that they don't want people to know where it is or even see it. Yeah. Now, you say this, and that's perfectly fine with me. I understand that. But has this information that you've gotten, you know, you're not going to share because of confidentiality, has that led you to some kind of conclusion or, or opinion. I'll tell you what it's led me to. I don't yeah. mind saying this. That's what I'm interested in, yeah. When this was sent to me, I was the person asked to analyze this. And once I had done what I do, 
I absolutely just froze. I didn't know what to do, what to say. I was actually sitting right where I'm sitting now, just absolutely frozen in place. And it really made me stop, Jim, and rethink everything. I, I, I mean, it just absolutely stunned me. Now, I don't know. Here's, you know, I don't know if this is what I think it is or not. But I will say this. I am trying with everything in me to let this out this year. It, it might, I hope it does so bad. You know, I want people to tell me, you're crazy. That's not what that is. You know, and, and just, I want to hear them discuss it, look at it, analyze it, tell me why it's not. You know, with a good, solid uh, discussion. Yeah, I'm going to presume this is some kind of footage, right? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> it's um, it's something really amazing, I think. Like I say, I hope I'm working with this individual, and uh, I am truly hoping that this year I can just say, "Here, everybody, <laughs> look at this. Tell me what I'm seeing here." Okay. You know, and like I say. There's a part of me that hates talking like that, you know, but I'm just trying to let everyone know there's a lot of stuff out there, and you just can't let go of it due to to many reasons, and that these people do have legitimate reasons, and in many cases, legal reasons. And sometimes, you know, I said, well, I wish I didn't know this. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen this or never heard this. Yeah, these sound like uh, things that would eat you alive inside to know and not be able to it share. Just, it just eats you up inside, you know. But I think everybody that's done this for a long time is in the same boat. I have no doubt that they know things that they can't talk about. You know, I have things about the, the Fraser area I can't talk about. But there's a whole lot I did. <laughs> and, you know, everybody agrees on one thing, that it is a captivating and just compelling story. If you're looking for answers, you won't find them. I tried to tell this story. That's what I was trying to do. And the, and the emails, the response has been just overwhelming. And if anybody out there, if you have anything going on, and you'd like to talk to somebody about it. I'm actually one of these crazy people that answer all my emails. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'd be happy to talk to people about this. And another thing real quick, the Fraser Howl that we played earlier. Yeah. The night I was with uh, George Knapp on Coast to Coast was the first time that a caller called in and said that his cats went berserk. When that sound was played. Well, ever since then, I have gotten these messages, emails, and other, other ways of communicating with me about people having their cats go crazy, berserk, when they hear this sound. Now, some of these people I know for a fact didn't hear that show. So if anybody out there has their, their cat 
go berserk or act extremely odd when they when it when you play the Frasier how, please let me know. This doesn't happen all the time. I've had people email me and say, Well, I played it around my cat and it did nothing. But there's never been a reaction from dogs. But time and time again, cats react to this sound. That's strange. Yeah, that's a weird juxtaposition with no reaction right. from dogs. And exactly. It really makes you think. Um, now, you said you got some projects in the works. What can you uh, tell us about what you have coming up here in 2009 and beyond and, and what people can expect from Philip Spencer? At this time, I have a project here in the United States that is very similar to the Wild Man of Kentucky, the Mystery of Panther Rock. Very similar. I plan on the, taking the reality, reality investigative team into this area. Uh, I actually have someone there now gathering information. Uh, I'm also very interested in a story that's a little bit south of Kentucky. I can say that. I also have a major project out of the country. And sometime this year, you know, yeah, I'm a crypto guy. I love it. I love to talk about and research Bigfoot and so forth. Mm -hmm. But I've been a ghost chaser for a lot longer. <laughs> oh, I've been a shadow, shadow chaser for many years. And at sometime this year, I'd like to really do a major project on Ghost because I have some tremendous stories from over the years. Plus, I know of some places that are well worth a visit. So possibly if time permits and there's enough film in the cameras or digital media, uh, we'll uh, maybe get all this done this year. Awesome. Folks can always check out your website, philipspencer.net, P-H-I-L-I-P. S-P-E-N-C-E-R dot net for uh, more info, of course, on what's coming up for you, right? Correct. And um, the book or the DVD are available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, just any digital media uh, outlet online. You can find them there. And uh, you, know, you visit the website. I'll be I'm going to be adding a lot more information here soon, pictures never seen before from the area, some of the things that our trail cams caught that we are not quite sure of, as well as I'm going to start putting some other stories on there. So uh, look for that information uh, coming soon on my website, Tim. Awesome. Well, Philip, it was great talking to you. Uh, I know you're under the weather here. I wish we had a little more time to speak, but I, obviously I know you're not feeling too well, and we'll have to get you back on the program, hopefully when your health improves, so we can delve into more mysteries of the Kentucky area and uh, some of these ghost stories and UFO stories uh, that you're teasing us with. Of course, The Wild Man of Kentucky, The Mystery of Panther Rock, as you said, book and DVD available through Amazon and all sorts of different outlets. It's pretty easy to find, or just go to philipspencer.net, and uh, that'll have the linkage there for you to pick it up. You've done a great job of unearthing this mystery that is the Anderson County Panther Rock area. Like you said, there's people who live, you know, a few hundred yards from it and don't know too much about it, and uh, now you're sort of bringing it out to the world. So I appreciate that. We need more on-the-ground investigators like you unearthing these mysteries and, and, and bringing awareness to these mysteries. But as you said, of course, 
folks, don't be heading out to Kentucky to investigate it yourself because you'll probably get shot or attacked by a dog. So, so just pick up the DVD or pick up the book and enlighten yourself to this amazing story. It sounds like we've got a potential uh, Skinwalker Ranch 2 here going on in Anderson County, and uh, the more we find out about these places, you know, the more I think we're going to be starting to put the puzzle pieces together on, on the greater mystery as a whole that is this strange, esoteric world. But once again, it was great talking to you, Philip. Like I said, I wish we had more time, but we'll definitely be talking again in the future. And I thank you, and I wish you the best of luck and, and good health, sir. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been really great being here tonight. And um, I want to thank all the listeners out there for taking time to listen to us tonight. And hope everybody supports your website because it's a great place. And uh, thank you for your work, Tim. And once again, thank you for having me here tonight. That does it for this week's edition of BOA Audio Season 4. Big, big thanks to Philip Spencer for coming on the show, especially in light of him being under the weather when we taped the interview. He persevered, and I really appreciate and respect that. You can find out more from Philip Spencer at his website, www.philipspencer.net, P-H-I-L-I-P-S-P-E-N-C-E-R.net. Check it out. Moving right along now, it's time for BOA Audio Listener Feedback. And this week I'm doing something a little bit different here. I'm not going to read any emails, just want to do a shout-out and thanks to three great BOA Audio listeners, Gareth, Cogitator X, and Jason B. Each one of these guys sent me an email or got in touch with me about little errors in coding and linkage problems that they found on BOA over the past few weeks. There's so many details involved with putting the program together that sometimes I do miss a little something here or there. And when these things slip through the cracks, it's always great to hear from the BOA Audio readers slash listeners who catch them and pass them along to me so I can fix them. So there you go. As I said, something a little different here on the end of the program for listener feedback. Just a thanks for folks who have been getting in touch with me every now and again when we make a little mistake on the website. We'll return to normal emails next week, I assure you, my friends. And in keeping with that sentiment, if you'd like to be a part of BOA Audio listener feedback, there's three ways to do it. Let me run down the list for you. You can write to boaaudio at hotmail.com, or you can go to BOA and click the contact button. And the third way is a little more interactive, but it's also quite fun. It is to join up at the official BOA forum, theusofe.com, T-H-E-U-S-O-F-E.com. Great group of folks there talking about all things esoteric and non-esoteric, like TV and sports. Quite a little coterie of paranormal enthusiasts, and we love welcoming new members to the forum. So definitely want to join up and uh, post about the program or just post about your favorite TV show. Those are the three methods, email, contact page, and the forum. Any of them will allow you to get your correspondence into my hands for a future edition of BOA Audio Listener Feedback. Here we go now with the thanks part of the program, the credits, if you will. You know them, you love them. They are the esteemed and infamous BOA staff, Leslie, Chiron, R. Lee, Joe V., Tina Senna, Rochelle Hawks, Richard Thomas, Paul Black, and Lasha Siniuk. We say it here at the end of the show every week. It's worth repeating. It's kind of our catchphrase, but I'll say it anyway. If you're only listening to In All of America and you're not reading the columns at BOA, 
then you're only getting half the story. BOA, make it a part of your everyday search for esoteric news and opinion. It's almost tax season, which means I'm going to get nailed with another big bill from the U.S. government, so it's time for me, of course, to ask the great BOA Audio listeners to make donations to the program and the website. I know the financial situation in the world is pretty tough right now, so I don't want the folks who are just getting by to go beyond their means to make donations. I don't want you folks to do that. But there are a lot of folks who are doing pretty well. They're hunkered down, they're weathering this financial storm, and those are the folks that we turn to here now asking for donations. Week after week, many great BOA Audio listeners step up to the plate and make donations. Are you going to join that crew of folks who can say that they did their part to help keep the program on the air? That's up to you. How do you make a donation? That's simple. You go to Banal of America or the BOA Audio Archive page and click the PayPal button. They'll walk you through the process. No donation is too small, and all donations go towards keeping BOA and BOA Audio up and running and freely available for all of our great readers and listeners the world over. Next week on the program, you know what it is because I already told you here at the beginning of the show, but I'll repeat myself. Anyway, it is the third annual BOA Audio Baseball Special. Just got confirmation Greg Bishop and Adam Goreilly are in. So we've got the whole band back together for the third annual Baseball Special. I already taped two of the interviews, taping another two tomorrow and then one more later on this week. I can tell you that Richard Dolan will be talking about his beloved Yankees and Paul Kimball will be talking about the World Baseball Classic. Otherwise, I really don't know what exactly I'll be talking about with the other guests, but I do know we'll be talking about baseball. Plus, we're going to have the baseball predictions from each of the guests. We want you to join in at the forum and post your predictions, match wits against the stars of the baseball special. You can do that at www.theusofe.com, or I suppose shoot them to me in an email and I'll post them to the forum if you're not a big forum buff. That's next week on the program, a lighthearted episode off the beaten path, taking a little break from the world of the esoteric to stop and smell the roses and remember that there is life beyond UFOs, Bigfoot, and ghosts. For those folks who aren't big baseball fans who decry the baseball special, I know you're out there and I feel your pain. In two weeks, we'll have Micah A. Hanks as the guest. He is the man behind the enormously popular blog, The Grillian Report. And we'll be talking about all things ufological and cryptozoological with Micah. So stay tuned in two weeks to BOA Audio for that. And with that, I have nothing left to say, so we're going to close it out here, my friends. Big thanks once again to Philip Spencer for coming on the show, and of course, huge thanks to the amazing BOA Audio listening audience. You guys are the fuel that drives the machine. I am humbled week after week by just the amazing number of downloads that this program has. So hats off to all you great listeners out there. Thank you for making this program part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Benall, signing off.